uh, prayed and studied actually over the last couple of weeks because J.J. preached last Sunday, did a tremendous job. Uh, it was so good that he decided not to come back to church for a couple of Sundays. No, J.J. has gone to a church at Florence today. He's going to be preaching there, taking that pastor's place next Sunday while the pastor's out on vacation. And they wanted him to come today to see how church went over there. So he'll be back. Uh, so anyway, but he did a good job He on preaching about increase in faith. We're not talking about any increase, even though if what we're t- going to talk about will lead to increase. This year is the year of increase. And I believe that we've increased. I have increased. And I believe that others in the church have increased. You say, well, how? Well, in, in, in a lot of different areas. Now, in size, I've decreased. But the reason I've decreased is because I've increased in some other areas. Uh, by the way, y'all, as of Thursday morning, I'd lost 30 pounds. Uh, and I, I, I'm not ashamed to tell you how much I weigh because I've not weighed this in many years. I weigh 195, and I'm happy with that. I sure am, and I feel good. All right, anyway, that's, that's enough of bragging on me. I want to brag on y'all. I begin to look and say, Lord, I want to I wanna have revival. And, and what we're doing, not because I wanted to have it, but because I felt led of the Lord, this is needful, it's necessary. You know, we've got to the point to where, because we're so busy and so involved, it's difficult to have a multi-day or multi-night revival event. But we're, we're looking to that. Matter of fact, in November, we're having a, an evangelist from Texas uh, <laughs> He's going to be here with us Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday nights on out in November. Uh, Brother Bachelor's his name. And, and I'm going to tell you, I've heard him several times, and you'll enjoy him. He is a, he is a quality evangelist. He's from Tyler, Texas. And you've heard him, hadn't you, Josh? And he, he'll be good, and so we're looking forward to that. But we're, we're talking about, and what we're going to be preaching about this month, is messages that will open our eyes and help us understand, folks, revival is important. And it's important for us to have it now. It's important for us to have it in our youth. It's important for us to have it in our adults. It's important for us to have it in our children. Revival will affect us in many, many different ways. Revival will affect the church. Let me tell you what things it will affect in our church. Revival in our church, first of all, will affect you individually and cause you begin to rise up and be more the person that God intends for you to be. Revival will affect in our church the, the nursery because there will begin to be more children in there. And there will be people that will be, be willing to work in the nursery, not the same ones all the time. And, and I thank God for those that work in there. Don't get me wrong. I do. But, but revival will affect that. Revival will affect children's church. Revival will affect the teen class, and the teens will begin to reach out and minister. Revival will affect the praise and worship team, and, and, to, and to where that as we begin to sing, the, the presence of God is ushered into our place. Revival then will begin to affect that front door, because that front door will get busy opening for people coming in, but more than that, 
It'll get busy opening for us to go outside and carry revival out of this place, out into everyday life to touch people. Folks, thoughtful needs revival. So why don't we as this church right here, and I'm not putting down any church, but why don't we as this church right here allow revival to come into our midst so that we can begin to affect thoughtful the community and then other churches begin to have revival also? You say, well, that's unheard of. No, it's not. It's happened time and time and time again down through the history of the Christian church. When one group, when one person, one group, uh, one church will begin to allow the, the move of God in their church and in their lives and then carry that out, revival will spread. It, it spreads to where that even whole cities and counties and states, and I believe even nations. You say, Pastor, I believe this nation's without hope. Well, didn't we sing that song, Lord, build your kingdom here? And didn't we pray, Lord, uh, let revival come all across this land? No, this nation's not without hope. And, and, but unless we sit down and do nothing, then we'll see it come to nothing. What I want to talk about today is uh, the Scripture I want to use in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27 And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. The yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. Well, you say, well, well, what is a yoke? I, I, I don't understand about what a yoke is. Well, a yoke in, in, in natural was a wood that was carved out and would fit around an oxen or a donkey, and they would even use them on camels, I found out. But these were put there to, to pull plows with, to pull carts with, and they became known as beasts of burdens. Now think about that with me. They became known when, it was in the, when they were yoked together in that, that yoke, beasts of burdens. And get this thought about burdens and understand that this is what a yoke does. It puts you in or under a burden. Now, in this particular situation, the Assyrians had had gone on the war path, so to speak. Man, they were going and taking every place that they came into. And and they were they were going to come and take over Israel. And they took the northern kingdom away. And then they came into the southern kingdom of Judah. And they took several towns in Judah. And then they came and they were going to take Jerusalem also. And in Second Kings chapter 18, it talks about what they did. And I want you to notice, the, a yoke in a natural is what binds people down. In a spiritual sense, it speaks of bondage and speaks of slavery, and speaks of stopping what you desire to do. Hezekiah was king, and they had come in and restored the temple, and everything was looking pretty good. And it looked like they were having revival in the land. And I'm going to tell you something about revival. There's some things we need to realize about revival. is that when we begin to allow revival to work in our church, Satan's not going to run in fear. Okay? You say, well, if he's not going to run in fear, then why do, why do we want to have revival? Because I want to see him run from our lives and from our families and 
from our community. See, he said in James chapter 4, submit yourself to God. That's having revival. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So I want to submit to God and, and I want to see revival come. And that's what had happened. And so this king of Assyria, King Sennacherib, came down. And, and, and let me tell you, the devil wants us to compromise and that's the reason we've compromised. That's the reason that so many people are in the situation they're in in their life right now is because that they have compromised and grown easy under the yoke. So he came and he made some demands. And we can, we can read here, it says, Therefore, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 2 Kings chapter 18. I thought he, we throwed that one in. <laughs> 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 13 through 16. Now, this is what Hezekiah had done. He removed the high places. And in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Israel of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Jerusalem and took them. Now, he's moving in. He's getting in close to the king, to the kingdom. Then Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria at Lachish, saying, I have done wrong. Now, now, folks, you cannot make deals with the devil. We've got to understand that. We begin to make deals and we begin to give in just a little bit, then Satan is going to require so much more from us than we're ready to give. And, and not only that, but I want you to notice, he begins to take things from the temple of God, from the house of God. He begins to take these things and give them to the king and what Satan wants us to do is to take the things of God in our life and begin, in essence, to hand it over to Him. The term Antichrist. The, the, the word Christ means anointed one. And anti means the anointed, or against the anointed. And when we talk about the Antichrist, and John said the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world today, he is working and desires to be against the anointing, and he don't, you know, Satan don't mind us coming together and having church. He don't mind us coming together and having pretty music and pretty singing. He don't mind us being here and, and, and building on and all of these kind of things, but he is against the anointing of God because he knows that when we will come to the point to where we do not allow the anointing of God to flow and move in our midst, then he's able to work what he wants to. And folks, it don't always look bad. Sometimes it can be just pure laziness concerning the things of God. Y'all missed a good place to say amen. Had a little. Thank you for that. He said, so Hezekiah said, I've done wrong. Turn away from me. Whatever you impose on me, I will pay. And the king of Assyria assessed Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. So Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord. Think about that. And in the treasuries of the king's house. So he began to, he began to give out everything that he had to this, to this one that represented Satan trying to steal his spiritual blessing. Is that all the verses there? No. At that time, Hezekiah stripped the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the pillars which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. Wow. Think about that. 
taking the things of God and diminishing them to the point to where that Satan begins to have his way in our life and what he wants to do and what he wants to work. Now, folks, I'm not talking about just church. I'm talking about in our homes that, that we have taken time for God and we've taken the things of God. We have allowed so much busy that it's robbed us from our time with the Lord. It was said many years ago by a, a, a well-learned preacher. He said this, if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Because if you're busy, you're not going to pray. If you're busy, you're not going to read and meditate. If you're busy, you, you don't have time. And, and before long, busy will even take the place of the worship and praise of Almighty God. Because we're busy. Now, I'm going to tell you all, Y'all don't get upset with me in these next few Sundays if I say something that rubs you a little bit wrong. Because I hope over the next few days that we can be like sandpaper. And, you know, sandpaper roughs stuff up, but then it smooths it out. Right? So you just bear with me. See, he asked, he asked for compromise. But a yoke always wants more. It's not satisfied with just some. It always wants more. See, we have dreams and plans that, that we feel like God has given us, but Satan wants us to compromise in these things and say, well, I guess it's just not God's timing. I guess I, I miss God. That wasn't really what God wanted. And he wants us to compromise in these things. But let me tell you something, folks. Many of you have had a time in your life and you knew that you knew that you knew that you knew that God spoke to you about something and it didn't immediately come to pass and you begin to let that dwindle down. You begin to let that go until you're not holding on to it like you need to. And Satan has come in and did everything he could to, to steal you, to quieten you down, and to keep you from going on with the Lord. Let me tell you, a yoke is a satanic instrument of oppression to limit your growth, your promotion, your fulfillment. It's a hindering barrier. And, and, and we have to watch or we come under that yoke and, and we get under that burden. What are some of the things that causes a yoke? All right? Uh, things that cause us to be under yoke, number one's feelings. Feelings. You feel, you get this point, well, I just don't feel nothing anymore. And, and you know, there's feelings involved with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit. There's joy. There's joy in our life. There's going to be some feeling. And But we can't base our relationship with the Lord on feelings only. Because it's like I've told you so many times. Folks, if you ask me today, uh, when I first woke up this morning, I, I woke up 20 minutes to 6. And I got up and I... If you had asked me, Pastor, you feel saved? I'd have told you, no, but I know I'm saved. I didn't feel real saved right at that time. I was sleepy. And, but I knew I was saved. But it didn't take too many steps and getting awake until I began to feel the joy of the Lord come up in my heart. You say, well, that was because it's Sunday. No, that happens every day. I just didn't... There's nothing wrong with feelings, but I'm not going to base my relationship with the Lord on feelings only because, folks, there's been times I've gone days and weeks and months and never felt anything, never, never felt the move of God, never felt the touch of the Holy Spirit, but I knew He was there. I knew He loved me. I knew He heard me. I knew He cared for me. 
There's been times that God's called me on a fast. And most of the time when I go on a fast, man, it would be some of the most spiritual experiences with the Lord that I ever had. Sometimes as I'd fast, I'd sit and cry. Sometimes I'd laugh. And sometimes the joy of the Lord would just get so big I couldn't do nothing. Just, But then there's a time that God called me on a fast for seven days. He said, fast for seven days. And I started fasting. No, I'd been praying about some things. And I just knew that God was going to show me. I just knew that something was going to come up out of this. And it was the driest, hardest time that I'd gone through for seven days. Didn't feel nothing. As a matter of fact, I, I began to question, was that God? I've missed God. I, I just don't... And, and I began to seem, seem like sink down. But then on the morning of the eighth day, the day I was going to break the fast, the Lord spoke to me. And when He spoke something to me, it cemented it into my life. And, and I've not turned loose of that thing. And every time I think about it, the joy of the Lord rises again up, up in me again. Why? Because that was the Word of the Lord that came to me. You don't know what it was? I wasn't even praying about this, but the Lord said that morning, I'm standing here shaving, and the Lord said, oh, as far as retirement, you're right where you're going to be till you retire. Seven days without anything to eat just to hear that. But I needed that. I needed that to be cemented in my life because, folks, since that time, I've, I, I mean, I didn't want to go anywhere before then, but since then, there's definitely been a not want to go. So anyway, feelings. Then wrong thinking. Wrong thinking gets you under a yoke. There's this kind of thinking. Well, God's not going to come through this time. This kind of thinking like... Well, I don't know if I'm saved. And you get to thinking about that. I don't know if I have a relationship, Lord. You get to thinking about that. And Satan wants to, and he'll feed you stuff. Because he'll come along and say, Well, if you were saved, you wouldn't speak to your husband that way. Or you wouldn't speak to your wife that way. If you was really saved, man, you'd go to church, shout every time it's church. He'll come along. I mean, he'll tell you all kind of junk. He'll get you to thinking that that person at work, just because these two people stand over here talking, and one of them just happened to glance around and look at you, and he'll get you thinking, they're talking about you. And before long, there's a wedge drove there, and there's problems that begin to come up and resentment that begins to come up out of that. Why? Because of wrong thinking. We need to get our thinking straightened out and think in line with the Word of God. Let me tell you something. When the devil comes and tells you as a child of God you're not saved, you ought to rejoice and be exceedingly glad because he's a liar and the father of lies. And every time he speaks something into you, you're opposite of that. So always remember that. He can't tell the truth. He don't know how to tell the truth. Another thing is traditions and customs gets us under a yoke, especially in church. Well, we don't do that here. We don't do that kind of thing. Traditions is putting people under a yoke. Peter said to a group of men one day, as he said in the council, he said, listen guys, say we're trying to put a yoke upon them by, by making them follow every aspect of the law. And they had to be circumcised. And they had to get back to offering sacrifices and things of like that. And Peter stood up and he said, wait a minute, we're putting a yoke on them that we ourselves are not even able to bear. Traditions and customs. And it's time that, that we broke loose from that and people say, well, that's just the way I am. Listen, if just the way you are is not producing what you need in your life, you need to change the way you are and come into being the way God desires for you to be. 
you knew I'd going to get to this one and meant sins, especially sins that we know about. Well, I really don't have any sins that I know about. <laughs> I got one for you. It's pride, assumption, and lying. Now then, you got three sins that you didn't know about. Now you know something about it. I want to live above sin. First John chapter two says, "My little children, sin not." And folks, I don't mind telling. I want to come to the point to where that's the epitaph of my life, right there. It's not possible. If it wasn't possible, it wouldn't be in the book. But because it's in the book and it's there, then he turned around and said, "But when you sin." We have an advocate with the Father, even Jesus Christ, the righteous. We have someone that we can look to. Another thing, I mentioned this earlier, is laziness. I mean, you know, whenever the clicker in the hand is more active than the flipper of the pages. Right? You say, well, I read all, I do all my reading on the, on the, my, that's good, that's good. But do it. Let's quit being lazy about our relationship with the Lord. Y'all still love me? I ain't through yet. <laughs> Laziness. Immoral attitudes. We form immoral attitudes by the things we allow ourselves to, to see, hear, and the thoughts we allow come to our mind. You know... People, I'm not telling you you can't go anywhere you want to and do anything you want to do. That's between you and God, not between you and me, okay? What I am is a messenger. But the big deal in Coleman this weekend, I've seen some pictures posted on Facebook, and one of them wasn't dressed ungodly and indecent, was drunk and drinking. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't see how a Christian can go and function in that atmosphere. You say, well, Jesus would have went there. You think so? Well, let's think about it. He may have went there, but he would have not allowed that influence to be in him. He would have been in that influence. But what I'm saying is this. We allow things. We, we watch shows on TV, shows that are full of vulgar language, and then we wonder, we wonder why the next time somebody pulls out in front of us in Walmart and we think a whole bunch of words. Where'd that come from? There's things that we're allowing uh, to get in us, and it gets in us with our music. Music will plant a thought about a woman or a man. It'll plant a thought about an affair. It'll plant a thought about a divorce. It'll plant a thought uh, about a murder. Yes, there's music today that's designed to make people think about committing murder. Video games. I saw this the other day, and it said all these kids that's, that's wanting guns are banned. We need to ban their video games that has guns in them. That's okay. That's just a game. And then here's one that, that we all love. I, this is one that we all love for me to talk about. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness to put a yoke upon you. I'm telling you, it'll weight you down and cause so much misery and so much problems in your life. But I want you to know today, even in all of these things that that we've talked about. He said there will come a day, 
And I believe today can be that day for you. There'll come a day when the burden shall be moved off your shoulder and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. I believe there's enough anointing of God in this place today to begin to break every yoke that binds anyone down whatsoever. Don't you? Give the Lord a hand clap. What are some symptoms of a yoke? Well, here's one. When you're enduring life instead of enjoying life, you're under a yoke. If you dread every day coming, you're like those that talks about in the Old Testament said that in the morning they'll say, Would to God it was night. And at night they'll say, Would to God it was morning. I mean, they're enduring life. They're going through life enduring it instead of enjoying it. Instead of making time and making a happy life, they're just marking time. I know my time's coming. I know my time's coming. And, and then people get that way about, you know, well, wh- whenever we get these things taken care of, then we're going to start doing that. People say, well, whenever I get my bills straightened out, I'm going to go to tithing. Problem is, we never get our bills straightened out. Or they, they'll say, you know, well, when our children get out, we're going to start enjoying each other. I know people that says when our children get out, we're finished. We're, we're over with. We're done. Folks, I'm going to tell you, I enjoy life. I enjoy living the life, natural life, and I enjoy living my Christian life. That's the reason that almost any time you ask me how I'm doing, I'll, tell, I'll either tell you that I'm wonderful or that I, this is the best day I've ever had, and I'm feeling good and getting better. Best day of my life. Why? Because I determined I was going to have that attitude, and I was not going to let circumstances and situations put a yoke on me and make me not enjoy living every day of my life. And, and so th- this is one that whenever you're enduring life, instead of enjoying life, See, uh, a gradual, there gets to be a gradual giving in and resignation to what's going on. To the yoke. There gets to be an acceptance of it to where we say, well, I guess this is just the way life is and this is my lot in life. Folks, when we, when we give in to that and life ain't good, that's not your lot in life. That's not the life that He's called us to. Listen, Jesus said in John chapter 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and that more miserable. That's where a lot of people look at it. No, he said that more abundant, meaning a good life, a God kind of life, a quality of life. And the reason that so many people don't, there's a whole lot of reasons that they don't. You say, well, what about somebody that's sick and can't get over it? Well, I know that's a yoke, but let me tell you something. I believe that yoke can be thrown off because of what the Word of God tells us that it can. The yoke of debt can. Sure, maybe you got yourself in debt. Don't blame the devil if you're in debt. If you ran out and bought a bunch of stuff on credit and you couldn't pay for it, that's not the devil's fault. And we, we're guilty of that, aren't we? Here's another symptom of a yoke. When things become, especially things of God, become just common, 
and you've lost your excitement. Think about that. In Acts chapter 10, verse 14, in Acts 10, 14, the verse before this when he said, he said that he was out there, he was in a trance, and God let that this sheet came down from heaven, had all kinds of four-footed animals and other animals on it. And the Lord spoke to him and said, Peter, arise, kill and eat. And Peter said, uh, Lord, I've not eaten anything common or unclean in all of my life. And listen to what the Lord said to him. And a voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now, when God cleanses something, He's blessed something. Let me tell you something. Get a hold of this. God blessed the seventh day. God blessed the day of worship. And we ought to get excited about that. But when it's, well, let's go to church again. It'd be the same old thing, same old greeters at the door. I'll sit in the same old place. Preachers, he'll be up there and he'll stomp and holler. They'll sing two or three or four songs. They'll take up an offering. Somebody will get up and just, well, let's just go. Folks, we don't have to have church and let it be common. We can go to church with excitement. Hey, I'm getting to go to church. You know they can't do this in China, but I'm in America. I'm getting to go to church and do it publicly. Publicly, I can stand and raise my hands before the Lord. Publicly, I can pray. Publicly, I can witness. Publicly, I can do these things here. Hallelujah, let's go get it done. When marriage becomes just common. Just, you know, same old husband, same old wife, same old family, same old house, same old food, same old TV programs, same old, same old. We've got our furniture. Never change our furniture around. Rice was at our house two years ago. He come in yesterday and he looked in our living room and he said, this is the same way it was the last time I was here. Y'all have not changed anything around. <laughs> Just, oh, common us. <laughs> what about, let me tell you something that we take for granted. We take the salvation of the Lord. We take the transforming power of God, and we take it for granted. We just, well, you know, let me tell you something, folks. When God takes a drug addict and changes that drug addict and calls them into the kingdom of God and, and makes a useful tool for him in the kingdom of God, that's not something common. That's a miracle taking place. Amen? When God reaches down and takes that old sinner that was on his way to hell or her way to hell and pulls them out through the grace of God, that's not common. And we don't never need to let salvation and the deliverance and the transformation power of God be something that's just common. Well, maybe somebody will be saved. They're not. No, let me tell you something. So many Christian people, not us, but so many Christian people look like that they were baptized in pickle juice. They're part of the chosen frozen. And we get that kind of attitude and we want to tell people, Hey, look, you need to make Jesus Lord of your life. And be like you. We make praise and worship just a common thing. Well, here we go. Gary playing on the guitar, Jamie playing, Jamie playing on the keyboard. Sometimes somebody beating on the drums, and and here we go, sing too fast, too slow. 
Yes, Lord. I, I, I heard this thing about a music composer by the name of Brahm. Y'all, y'all heard that name? He wrote a, one of his, whatever they call them, songs, I guess. That's for, we understand songs, don't we? And I don't think it's, it's anyway, song. And uh, in that, there was a place in a stanza that he put, play loud. And then a couple of stanzas later, he said, play louder still. And this conductor had adapted this song for his orchestra. And this actually happened a few years ago. He, condu- he, he adapted this song for his orchestra, and he got up there, and he was... And, and he got so into that song, that, and he got so carried away, that when it came to that place where it said, play louder, he was into that thing with everything he had. And then when it said, play even louder, he was into it to the point that he threw his shoulder out of joint. Some of the reporters said to him afterwards, said, uh, have you ever known anyone that threw their shoulder out of joint directing the song? And this conductor said, no, but I have known a lot of people with ties and coats and money under the blessings of God tremendously sit in church Sunday after Sunday and hear about the grace of God and they'll never even bat an eye. He said, if it takes throwing my shoulder out to show excitement, he said, I'm ready to do it. Common. We let common things put a yoke on us and the Spirit of God's not able to move. The Spirit of God's not able to touch people. And in our lives, we just sit there and we become common. Just common. Average. We, we take that attitude. Well, I, I'm just an average Christian. I don't want to be average. Josh, I don't want to be average. Average means the best of the worst but it also means the worst of the best. I don't want to be there. I want to be above that. I don't want to be common. I don't want it to be just coming to church and and nothing happens because we're just a common group of people meeting at a common church with a common song and a common message and nothing happens. We stay common. We've got to move out of that. Let me tell you something, folks. God wants some things done. You look back at the history of this church and and, and see... What God has done in this place. Time and time. See what God has done in your life. Another, another symptom of a yoke is when your resting time becomes a wrestling time. When you can't sit down and rest because of all the stuff that's bombarding you. When you can't sleep at night because of all the things that are going on and, 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 and the things in your life and the situations that you're having to deal with and, and you're... you're just rest and you're restless, you're wrestle when your dreams have been shattered. Some of you've had dreams. And you God, I'm talking about God given dreams of things that you want to see come to pass. Folks, I got a dream. I've dreamed about this place being bigger. And you say, Well, it looks like we're just sitting here. Hey, I'm not gonna let that be a yoke, you understand? Right now, we're just sort of on pause. We're waiting. Actually, what we're doing is we're waiting for the architect to decide to draw the plans we need because we can't do nothing without that anyway. And he's working on it. I talked to him the other day, and he's working on it. And I think, man, 
How long does it take to draw a few lines added on to what we've already got? But anyway, I'm not an architect, and I don't understand all those things. But I do understand this. God's given us a dream and a vision, and He showed us what we can do. Now, I want to encourage you with this. I'm closing with this. Don't get comfortable in that yoke. Don't allow where you are to determine where you can be. Don't allow the present sadness to determine your future happiness. Don't allow the present physical condition to determine your future physical condition or your financial condition or your mental condition or whatever. Listen, folks, we don't have to be under this yoke. I was reading this, and it's a little bit negative thing, but I think you'll take from it. You remember the story of Esau and Jacob, how that uh, Jacob had stole, had got the birthright, and then he stole the blessing. And, and Isaac had blessed Jacob when he thought it was Esau. And Esau came in and he said, Oh, Father, there's got to be a blessing left for me. He said, He stole everything I've got. There's got to be just one more blessing. So many times we get that kind of feeling, Lord, there's got to be more. Just one more time, Lord. Just one more time. Help me. And listen to what Isaac said to Esau. This is on his deathbed. He said this in verse 39 of Genesis 27. Then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. And your sword you shall live. By your sword you shall live. And you shall serve your brother, talking about serving Jacob. And it shall come to pass when you become restless or when you become tired of it, when you're saying, this is enough, Satan, this is enough. He said, then you shall break his yoke from your neck. You won't do that as long as you're comfortable with it. I want to encourage you this morning, don't be comfortable with what, what is when you can have what God wants you to have today. He said that there'll come a time, the day will come, and I believe today can be the day for you when the burden shall be lifted off of your shoulders and the yoke shall be broken, destroyed because of the anointing. Destroyed. Destroyed means an instant thing. In Hebrew, that word is... Carries the thought of sort of like battery acid that corrodes something till it's completely gone. That anointing, listen, what I'm saying to you, if that anointing don't just completely break that yoke today, you keep looking to God and that anointing will, will over a period of time, it may be tonight, tomorrow, next week, but it will completely erode that yoke away to where you won't be under that yoke anymore. Folks, that's God's promise. I don't have much else to go by. But I do have the promise of God this morning to go by. And I believe this morning, not because of any intentional thing, I believe that the Lord has spoke to many people as we preach to you the Word today. I believe He spoke to your heart. And the thing that you need to do today is come and get in this altar. Bring it before the Lord. You say, well, I, I know there's something, but I don't fully know what it is. Well, let me tell you something. I, I don't know either. But I do know there's something, and I know what it is. That something right now 
that's pulling on you is the Spirit of God. And He wants you to come so that anointing can flow on you. He wants you to repent of that, of being common, of being under that yoke, of being comfortable with it, the things that caused it, and allow the anointing of God to come and flow into your life. Y'all stand with me just now. Father, I thank you, Lord.